We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Aitlin is intercepted by Sam Mills. Steve Smith is going to go all the way. Panthers win in overtime. Newton steps up, goes for the end zone. Olsen! for the touchdown by Moore. And in the foot race, McCaffrey to the end zone. Keep pounding on three. One, two, three. Keep pounding. Welcome back to another episode of The Roar, brought to you by Blue Wire. To help us preview this week's upcoming opponent, the Washington football team, I'm happy to be joined once again. Many of you remember him from last year, Mark Bullock. Uh, and Mark, you can find him on Twitter at Mark Bullock NFL. That's a really good job covering the football team. Uh, and you can also, uh, for more of his content, subscribe to his Substack as well. And uh, Mark, how are you? Hey, I'm doing well, thanks. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing pretty well. It seems like it's becoming an annual thing now between the football team and uh, the Carolina Panthers. Uh, I think they've played the last three years now. They're <laughs> Ron Rivera's final game with the Panthers was against the football team and uh, in 2019. And last year, we know how the game was essentially like the end of like the Dwayne Haskins era. Yep. And now it's um, a little different for Washington. <laughs> but, you know, I, I was watching the game last week and they just they, they really seemed to take it to Tampa up front. And I was really impressed with um, just like. It, it, not necessarily like some of the star players that you think of like a chase young, but a lot of people don't mention him, even though they're in a very big market, but John Allen has to be like one of the best interior, uh, you know, defensive linemen in the NFL. And if to me, he was just completely wrecking havoc on Tampa's interior offensive line, which is very good. Yeah, for sure. He, um, he's definitely, I said last year, and I caught a bit of flag for saying it, that he was the best defensive lineman on that really talented front. Um, but he just didn't have the production that he's had this year in terms of sack numbers that everyone looks for. Um, but in terms of his general play and his technique and stuff, he's always been very sound technically. Um, he's always produced very good pressure numbers. Um, and this year, after getting a big contract extension in the offseason, um, the the very positive thing for Washington is that he hasn't done the thing that a lot of players do. Um, they get their money and they kind of fall off a little bit. Allen has taken another step forward. And as you say, I think he's probably one of the better interior defensive linemen in the league. Um, 
certainly um he's been washington's best defensive player um and the the pressure he's been generating um and not just the pressure but in the run defense um he's very stout against the run as well um just his all-round game is, is really superb um and as you say against tampa they they really took to him um and and they they got behind down and, and he really set the tone early on on the, the, the Bucks had their, their opening third down and Allen beat Ali Marpet really quickly and, and landed a big hit on Brady. And that, and that really set the tone for the defense and um, really helped them settle in and, and, and play better than they have done for large parts of the season. So yeah, I think in recent weeks, uh, I think I'm not sure when it started, maybe you can give a little better insight, but this defense has been playing a little better, uh, recently, and I think they caught a lot of flack earlier in the year. There were so many busted coverages. Uh, yeah. I mean, they were giving up tons of just silly yards, and uh, I think the defensive coordinator, Jack Del Rio, came under a little scrutiny, but it seems like they've... I don't I don't know. What what have you seen from this def- defensive improvement over the past few weeks, and when do you think it kind of started? Uh, yeah, so it, has, it definitely has gotten better over the last few weeks. Um, a, a lot of their issues were communication issues where um, they have uh, they had quite a few new members of the secondary and even people that were here last year um, were playing different spots. Um, the, the guys that kind of held over, Kendall Fuller moved into the slot to start the season and um, Cam Curl was a rookie last year that, that broke out and had a really good year at safety and, and he's taking on more responsibility and Landon Collins he was here last year but he got injured and um, only came uh, he missed kind of half the season with a torn Achilles and, and has come back and um, is playing a different role this year and um, then they've got Bobby McCain, they signed William Jackson who's had his issues um, and they drafted Benjamin St. Juice. So they've got quite a lot of new faces on the back end and, and they've taken a little bit to get used to all the different calls and, and get used to each other and the signals that and, and calls that they make to each other. Um, and that led to a lot of coverage busts. Um, William Jackson in particular, that their price free agent acquisition um, has had his struggles um, and really not gone on the same page. And you've seen quite a lot of coverage busts early in this year. Um, when he was in the lineup and, and not sure what he was doing. So um, a few weeks ago, he, he missed some time uh, with injury. He came back against the Bucks, but he, he missed a few weeks injured. Um, and Washington seemed to kind of simplify things a little bit. Um, they moved Kendall Fuller back outside from the slot. Um, they put Danny Johnson, um, a, a young corner that they've had on the roster for a while. They put him in the slot um, and they played things a little bit simpler, a little bit more basic uh, zone coverages. Um, and, and that seemed to get everyone on the page, same page a little bit better. Uh, and that helped, you know, prevent those those huge coverage busts that we were seeing every week for the, the first four or five weeks of the season. So, um, yeah, they're certainly doing a little bit better now um, and, and they were able to, not necessarily do too much confusing things um, against the against the Bucks. They 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 tried some different things, but um, it, it wasn't too complex. It, it wasn't anything that would really get players on the wrong page and and create more coverage busts. So, um, but they were being a little bit more um, experimental and trying a few different things against the Bucks. So it'll be interesting to see this week if. If they go back to staying a little bit more simple or if they try to integrate some more kind of different things that um, might lead to some more coverage busts.
Yeah, no, I'm glad you mentioned that. I think, you know, the NFL is obviously the highest of uh, elite competition in the world when it comes to football. But I think I was listening to Coach Fast, and he said this on his show a couple of times, is playing defense is hard. And the reason why you see so many, like, of these college programs, like the Saban and Wisconsin with Jim Leonard, uh, employ so many, like, diverse coverages is because they have those players for four years or at least three years. And so they can kind of get acclimated to the terminology and the language so they can do a lot more confusing stuff. That's why you see a lot of coaches on Twitter. They love watching defensive film. But in in the NFL, uh, because like turnover is so high among personnel, you have to – I think it's it's smart to, you know, maybe have some, you know, diversity. But I just think keeping it simple is really like the key – um, for any good defense. And I think this one in particular, Washington, which has a strong front, if you just give you know the guys in the back end some, uh, you know, not necessarily taper down their responsibilities, but just keep it simple, then they can really start to really see some dividends at least. Yeah, for sure. Um, and and the, the point you make about colleges having guys for three or four years, like uh, the thing that Ron Rivera keeps pointing to is um, he, he points to the the bills and and obviously the the links between the the bills and, and Ron Rivera. Uh, I mean, you you guys in Carolina would know that better than anyone. Um, the the um, he, he keeps pointing to how all their players in the secondary have been there for three or four years, and, and that's why that Bills secondary is so good because guys like Jordan Poyer and and all of that group have all been there for that long. They've all been in the system. They all know the calls. They all know each other so well. Um, and, and that's the the thing that Washington are aiming to become, I, I, I guess, in a, in a way, is what the Bills are defensively. Um, but it, it does take time to get there. And, and as you say, you sometimes have to simplify things a little bit to get everyone on the same page and then prevent lots of coverage busts like Washington had earlier in the year. No, for sure. I think Sean McDermott's final year in Carolina, 2016, they had two rookie starting corners, uh, Bradbury, who's obviously a really good player now. And uh, the other one was Daryl Worley and they had some other inexperienced guys, but the beginning of the year, I don't know if you remember, they had, they gave up like 300 yards, to like Julio Jones in Atlanta. But by the end of the year, they were like a top 10 defense because they just made their lives a lot more simpler and didn't really ask them to play some of the complex coverages that they usually employ. Yeah. Um, so I'm totally with you there. Uh, so let's go back to the defensive line, but I want to stick here with edge rushers because obviously it's unfortunate what happened to Chase Young. Um, Montez Sweat he seemed to have surgery on a jaw, at least from my... Yeah, he, I, I don't think he's had surgery, but he, um, it, it's a broken jaw that doesn't require surgery, but it means uh-huh. he's having to have time out for something like three to five weeks as, as it heals. So talk to me about Casey Tuhill and Shaka Tony. I was a fan of Tony coming out of Penn State, but he obviously he has a pretty unique skill set. He's more of like a speed rusher, at least from what I saw at, uh, when he was in college. But it, it seemed like Tuhill played pretty well, judging from some of the local reaction. Yeah, they um they, they like Casey Tuhill. Uh, Rivera quite uh, referred to him quite a lot as, as a good dropper, as a, someone that they can drop into coverage. And I think that's something that we'll see from Washington certainly this week and going forward without uh, you, the, those two big names, Chase Young and Montez Sweat, as you mentioned. Um, 
I think they will try to make up for that by having those kind of edge guys. Um, Shaka Tony, um, as you mentioned, he is kind of a speed rusher, but um, he did play some linebacker in college as well and has the ability to drop back into coverage. Um, Casey Tuhill, we saw a couple of times against the Bucks. They they had him peel off and drop into coverage. Um, and so uh, I, I think we'll probably see more um, simulated pressure with with those guys dropping off into coverage and, and maybe some linebackers like Cole Holcomb or um, Jamin Davis or even Landon Collins kind of blitzing up the middle or, or adding on to the rush um, along with the the interior guys and, and try to attack some protection schemes rather than kind of rely on, well, our front four guys are better than your pass protectors, so we'll, we'll trust those front four to, to win with a few little stunts here and there. Um, I think they'll have to start scheming things up a little bit more. Um, and we saw when, when Tampa, when, uh, sorry, Chase Young went out against Tampa Bay. Um, we saw that they, they had to kind of blitz a little bit more. Um, I don't think they'll just resort to the kind of obvious of we'll just play more man coverage and, and blitz constantly that that's not really what they do, but, um, I, I, they they used a lot of different fire zones or zone blitzes where they they would rush five. Um, they'd bring a fifth rusher from somewhere um, and, and drop into three deep zones and three underneath zones um, as a relatively safe blitz. Uh, and we'll see, as I said, some sim pressures where it's only four men rushing, but it, it's you, you don't really know where those four guys are coming from, and, and it's designed to get the protection schemes like all set to block the floor defensive lineman and then a defensive end drops out from one side and a, and a corner comes off the edge from the other or something like that. Um, and I think that's kind of how they'll try to replace the, the, the likes of sweat and chase young rather than just relying on, on Casey Tuhill and Shaka Tony and the couple of other guys that they have. Um, I think they'll be trying to dial up a few more different blitzes and, and schemes to replace that pressure. Panthers fans, football is back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find Panthers tickets anymore, because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site, and the only one you'll ever need is your go-to for all NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of those awful service fees that the other ticket services charge, which lets them guarantee the best pricing on all of their tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find a better price for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. It's a great time to be a Panthers fan. Cam Newton is back in the building. The defense is playing lights out. Get over to TickPick.com Roar right now to save 10% on your first order of Panthers tickets. Again, that's TickPick.com Roar. Yeah, absolutely. I think Rivera, or excuse me, Del Rio, he's done a lot of these fires on blitzes before. I noticed it last year too, when I was leading yeah. up to the Panthers game. Um, so it's something that Carolina should have a pretty decent experience with. Uh, you know, the linebackers, first round pick Jamin Davis, uh, it seems like he's had a little bit of uh, struggles early, which is pretty typical for rookie linebackers. I think you're seeing it now. And with a, you know, I think at Pittsburgh, they're having some questions about their guy they drafted. Uh, in the no. top 10 a couple years ago. And uh, Cole Holcomb, uh, he seems to be, you know, a lot of people remember him from this area. He went to UNC. He seems to be one of the, uh, the more consistent players in the linebacking unit. But what do you make of the first round pick Davis's season so far and uh, just the other linebackers on the roster? 
Yeah, it's a pretty thin group. Um, Davis definitely had a really slow start. Um, and I think that came from that they might have tried to put a little bit too much on his plate too soon. Um, that for me, watching Davis coming out, um, I thought he was a will linebacker. Um, and you just play him at that weak side and, and you, you let him roam a little bit freely and lose that athleticism. Um, but Washington kind of decided that they wanted him to be their their Mike linebacker and they wanted him to try to make the calls and and obviously they had some kind of basis of reason for that but um, you could see in preseason when he was playing he was definitely a, a step slower than everyone else off the snap and he was always thinking rather than reacting and just playing um, and that carried over into the season uh, and, and so he hardly played to to start the season um but then john bostick the the guy that that was playing the mic spot when uh davis wasn't ready uh he got injured and, and was out for the year so um they didn't really have anyone else and, and they've tried a few different things they've tried a uh, a five defensive lineman five defensive backs and, and one linebacker um personnel group with cole holcomb being the only linebacker um and, and they can do that because they have uh, Landon Collins and, and Cam Crowell, who are both safeties that work in the box and, and kind of hybrid linebacker safety kind of roles. Um, so they, they've tried to fill that in with that. But over the last few weeks, we've seen Jamin Davis kind of start to settle in a little bit more, start to get up to speed, um, play a little bit more reactionary rather than just sitting and thinking about, OK, where is this going? Is that definitely a handoff or is it a play action fake and all those kind of things? Um, you can see him playing a little bit more naturally. Um, it's still not where you'd want it to be, certainly not from a first-round pick, but um, it, he, he's coming along and he's starting to step up and, and make some plays here and there. Oh, that's encouraging. As long as you know, the natural progression gets, gets better and better, I think that's sure. what I want to see from a young player like him. Uh, moving over to the offensive side of the ball, I want to start with the trenches because I was pretty impressed watching them. Uh, especially that 10 minute drive. And this is a unit that, you know, they were coached by Bill Callahan a couple of years ago, but there's been a lot of questions around some of the talent, uh, Brandon Scherf aside. And, uh, you know, for me, I, I was sort of impressed as, with the interior. And again, Scherf, we obviously know is one of the best uh, guards in the NFL, but uh, the other, the, the left guard, I, I was pretty impressed with. And that's uh, Eric Flowers, who's had sort of a, his best years in the NFL have come in Washington, which is kind of funny. Um, and then uh, I, I believe former Carolina Panther Tyler Larson was starting this past week. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, Chase Rudier is the, is the starting. Yeah. Typically, but he, um, he was injured last week and was out for the season. So uh, Larson has, has taken over. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> another Carolina Washington connection. I mean, Larson's yep. a pretty solid uh, backup and spot start. So I'm not surprised to see him do pretty well but and you guys obviously you, you signed leno in the offseason and uh cornelius lucas i believe was one of their highest graded players according to pff last week so what do you make of this offensive line and how do you think they've sort of performed throughout the year it's been probably the strongest unit of the of the team certainly on offense um and that is somewhat of a surprise because it's kind of a mix and match of parts um and they've had a fair few injuries um as we mentioned, Chase Rudier, the starting center, he got a new contract going into the year and he was playing phenomenally well um, before he got injured and, and is out for the year. Um, Tyler Larson, as you said, stepped in and played pretty well against the Bucs. 
Brandon Sheriff's missed some time at right guard um, as he's kind of been prone to, be, to do throughout his, his career. Um, but where Schweitzer that they signed um, in 2020 um, stepped in and, and um, I think he's one of the better performing run blockers in the league right now. Um, pretty deep. Yeah, they are very deep. Um, they had Sam Cosme was their second round pick starting at right tackle. He got hurt. And, and as you say, um, Cornelius Lucas took over at right tackle and he's been playing well. Um, and Eric Flowers, that they, they they traded back. He played in Washington a few years ago as a, and when he converted to guard and then signed a big contract with Miami. And then the Dolphins traded him back to Washington this year. And he's performing well and as the starting left guard. So across the board and... Um, up and down the the depth chart, they've been playing very well, um, and it's it's a credit to the the offensive line coach and, and and the game plan that Scott Turner keeps putting together. That 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 group has played really well, regardless of almost regardless of who's been on it. it it's been because as I say, there's been such so many moving parts, and Schweitz has come in at guard, and Lucas has come in at right tackle, and um they they've had uh they had a rep a few weeks ago where they had um Sadiq Charles playing right tackle um and um all sorts of different injuries up front and, and they've just kept going and, and they've still been able to run the ball pretty well um they still pass protected pretty well um so for me it's been the, the strength of the offense has been that offensive line um and it's been a surprise because as you say it's that it's not filled with first round picks bar Brandon Sheriff. It's a bunch of mid round guys that have kind of developed very well um, in this system. No, I'm glad to hear that because uh, the offensive line coach for Washington is John Matsko. He was my favorite coach when he was in Carolina. He, he, the the work he did with the offensive line here with some of the worst players uh, with all due respect, (laughs) I'm not going to name any. Um, I mean, the work he was able to do just patching up pretty bad players and making them at least below average i thought was uh, very underrated and i'm i'm not surprised that rivera uh, took him to washington he's one of the better offensive line coaches that i've seen in act i used to go to training camp i used to watch him teach and uh, i mean it seems like one of the more he's not like a guy who's going to get in your face and yell at you like you see some other coaches more of a uh, much more calm tempered and kind of I guess that, you know, his teaching ways have obviously translated pretty well for uh, the Washington offensive line, Uh, you know, skill player wise, uh, I'm very interested to see how, you know, they deploy like their, you know, where they deploy guys and how they use them. But uh, first off, what do you think the status is of Logan Thomas? Uh, So he's kind of been week to week. Um, He's been injured for a while and, um, I think today um, or the day of recording, he he wasn't practicing um, or was off on a side field. And, and that typically for Washington this season has meant that uh, the player won't play during the week uh, at the weekend. If they, if they get to Wednesday or Thursday and they're still only practicing on the side field, they, they typically don't go. So um, I, I would not necessarily expect Logan Thomas unless um, he makes a miraculous turnaround over the next few days. Uh, I also noticed that Ricky Seals Jones he got injured in that game. Is, is he going to be okay, or is he like done for the year? Uh, I don't think he's done for the year, but I think he is out for a few weeks. Um, I, I think he's got kind of a, a muscle injury that um, I, I don't think it's one that he just gets over. Um, I, I think it's one that will take a, a few weeks for him to recover from. So um, it seems like they're probably going to be pretty thin at tight end, which 
they already were. Um, uh, at once Logan Thomas got injured, it was quite a surprise that Ricky Seals Jones had, had played so well when he, when when Thomas went down, and it, it was looking like it was going to be able to get Thomas back and, and have a, a solid two tight end set. But now they're back down to having very little there. So it seems like John Bates, the rookie from Boise State. Yep. Uh, I liked watching him and the guy they signed uh, from the international program, I believe the yep. Chilean Sam, is it Samis Reyes? Yeah. Samis Reyes. Um, Samis Reyes. Who, yeah. He, uh, yeah. The, the Chilean, he, he'd never played football before, um, but he shined in a few workouts in the off season um, and Washington. He's a basketball player, right? He was, he was a basketball player in college. Um, and he, I think he's something like six, five, two, 55 or 260 or something like that and mm-hmm. uh in amazing shape uh, uh, tested about as good as a tight end could possibly test um and so washington took a gamble there and it, you know I, I i'm not expecting much from him if if he even plays because he he's never played football before and and that was pretty obvious when watching him in in, in preseason he, he really struggled um kind of a, knowing what his assignment was, which I, I guess you would expect from a guy that's never played football, but um, even when the the parts that you'd want to see from him where he's out running routes and, and running by people with his speed and, and using his athleticism to to make catches, he, he didn't particularly shine there either. So as good as the story is, he hasn't he hasn't shown anything to, to suggest that it's more than just a good story at this point. Yeah, for sure. So uh, it seems like Bates is probably going to be in line for a healthy amount of snaps this week, right? Yeah, I would think so. So uh, let's kind of look at the receivers now. Um, I mean, we all know Terry McLaurin is (laughs) one of the best, in my opinion, one of the best receivers in the NFL. Unfortunately, he doesn't get that notoriety because of quarterback play and uh, some unfortunate uh, situations involving that position. But I mean, just it's not only just route running, it's his toughness. And I don't think anything kind of better encapsulates that than that third down reception he made where I I don't know, like I maybe you can kind of give me a better sense since you watch a lot of tape. Well, I thought the throw could have been he could have protected him a little better there, but it just speaks to McLaurin's toughness that he was able to still catch it, hang on and take the hit as well. Yeah, he, he probably could have. Um protect him a little more maybe try to look off that safety a little bit more rather than kind of Heineke kind of stared it down pretty much from the snap <laughs> I think I think it was pretty obvious that at that point third and five there was only really one guy they were going to and especially when they sent uh the slot receiver in motion and and the defender followed him it was kind of confirmed it was man coverage at that point um I think it was only ever going to Terry McLaurin so um yeah, Heineke probably could have done a little bit better job holding safety in the middle rather than leading him straight to McLaurin. But it, as you say, it speaks to McLaurin's toughness. Um, I, I really don't know how he held onto that ball. It was a huge hit, um, and uh, it was quite outstanding that he he pulled in the catch, secured it, and picked up that first down, and, and was even able to bounce back up and, and continue playing afterwards. You know, it's funny because I feel like McLaurin is like more. You know, he's only in his third year, but he's like the veteran of this group. Uh, because I mean, while Humphreys, he's been in the league for a while, he's more of like a you know rotational slot option. But there are other guys like Brown, uh, Millen, and uh, DeAndre Carter are young guys. W- what can you kind of tell me about this group as a whole and how they kind of deploy them? 
Yeah, it's uh, it's been interesting to see because they they obviously they signed Curtis Samuel, who you guys will be obviously familiar yeah. with. Yeah, uh, but he's missed basically the entire year, bar uh, twenty snaps in one game in something like week four. Um, he's been injured. Um, he's had kind of a mysterious uh, either groin or hamstring injury or something that's kept him out the entire year. Um, and I think they've been missing that. But um, Diami Brown um, was the rookie that. Uh, they drafted in the third rounds. Uh, he had he had some early good looks, but um, he's kind of struggled of late, and, and he's had a few injuries that have, have slowed him down a bit. Um, DeAndre Carter's been really the find um, because he was kind of a guy they just signed really as a um, as a punt returner and a, and a kick returner, and, and uh, they they had so many injuries early in the year that he had to play some and he's looked pretty good as a kind of a, a slot option, almost a, a, a cheap Curtis Samuel in terms of skill set, uh, being able to be elusive in the open field and make guys missed and, and work nicely out of the slot and play some outside. He's kind of playing that kind of role. Um, but yeah, the, the receiving group is, is kind of a bit thin, um, especially behind McLaurin um, and they've been kind of making up for that by, by using the backs. And I'm sure you guys are familiar with the, the Turner scheme where, where the backs are very heavily involved and yeah. um, JD McKissick out of the backfield. Um, he's kind of, he was a receiver in college um, and he's been kind of used as a, as a movable piece and a little bit of a slot option, a little bit of a running back and a third down back. Um, Antonio Gibson has over the last few weeks seen his role expand a little bit from just being a running back to, moving outside and, and playing a bit of receiver too. So um, they're, they're trying to make up for a little bit of lack of depth at receiver or lack of top end threat as a, at receiver by, by adding in those backs and, and, and getting the most out of those backs as well. So what do you think about uh, everyone, the entire fantasy community's favorite running back, Jared Patterson? It, well, I, I loved him in preseason. He, I, I think he's, I still believe he's probably Washington's most natural running back in terms of how he reads through the the different styles of runs that Washington does and and the paths that he takes and how he sets up blocks. Um, but it's hard for them to to give an undrafted free agent running back um, more carries than uh, either their 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 prime third down back in McKissick or obviously their their big investment in the, the third round pick of, of a year ago in Antonio Gibson and it's not like those guys are struggling either so um, the, those guys are playing well um, I, I still like Patterson I, I'd still like to see him get a, a little bit more of a of a shot but um, I think he will at some point um, especially as Gibson is dealing with uh, uh, he's got a, I think like a hairline fracture in his shin that he's been dealing with Oof. all year. Um, so he, he's, um, he's kind of been managing that, um, but he's still playing pretty well and, and you wouldn't really notice that he's, he's struggling with that. Um, but they've been trying over the last few weeks to, to give Patterson a little bit more of a, of a run, uh, just to, to give Gibson a bit of a breather here and there. Yeah. You know, when I watched Washington last year, the thing that really annoyed me, and I, I think he's a great quarterback, Alex Smith just checked down to McKissick way too much for my liking. Um, I don't think Heineke is kind of going overboard with that, is he? No, he's, um, I mean, a lot of the stuff is schemed up to the backs and, and especially when um, there are receivers 
that they don't necessarily have the receivers that they want in, in Curtis Samuel or um, De'Ami Brown's been missing and that kind of thing. When they don't have that second punch or uh, Logan Thomas is another option that they, they've been missing. So when they don't have those guys, they kind of involve those backs a little bit more. So um, no, it's not been the same case of Alex Smith last year where he would maybe check McLaurin and then instantly check it down to a McKissick. It's not quite been that. Um, but they certainly, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I, I don't have the numbers to hand, but I wouldn't be surprised if the numbers are still fairly heavily weighted towards the backs because um, they've been moving those guys around to, and using them in the passing game more. For sure. So close out the offense um, with the quarterback, Taylor Heineke. And, you know, when I first saw him play for Carolina, I didn't really think much of him. I wasn't a huge fan of his. I thought Kyle Allen uh, who I was pretty critical of when he was here. I thought Kyle had a lot more physical uh, traits, just his ability to kind of stand in the pocket and take some throws and uh, really push the ball downfield. I thought we saw that in the preseason here in 2018 and 19 as well. But uh, I mean, Heineke, he's been, you know, he, he's kind of performing, I guess, admirably uh, for lack of a better term. And, you know, if, as, you know, during the draft year, everyone always, you know, gets upset when like one of the big analysts, like a Mike Tannenbaum on ESPN goes and says, you know, build is important. I do think it is, especially for quarterback, because, uh, you know, the issue with Heineke in Carolina was he was pretty frail. Like anytime you hit him, like he just, he'd be injured, but it seems like he's done a pretty good job of um, being durable this year. And, you know, one guy it reminds me of, I don't know, you've probably taken a close look at him because he was your quarterback recently, but uh, I don't know if you remember when Case Keenum was like the Houston starter in like 2013. It was a while ago when Gary yeah. Kubiak's last year. And it's sort of like what how he's Heineke is playing kind of reminds me of that. Like a guy who can you can obviously win games with, um, but there is a little bit of a chaotic nature to him too, where he's kind of <laughs> he kind of freelances and does some of his own work. And uh, I mean, hey, uh, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But what has been your assessment of Heineke thus far? Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat as you. Um, certainly, uh, I, I didn't think much of him when they signed him last off. Uh, sorry, last late in the season, um, and then he had that outstanding game against the Bucks. Um, but my my big my biggest concern, uh, as you kind of alluded to, was was the the, the injuries because um, up until this season, um, he hadn't managed to complete an NFL game without getting injured. So. Um, I, I think he had a big point of emphasis this offseason to kind of bulk up a little bit and, and he came in, in in much better shape and that that certainly helped him. Um, and he's also made a hugely conscious effort to protect himself when he's running and, and, and scrambling around. He's he's given up a lot of yards to make sure he slides early and, and protects himself. Um, and that was kind of seen a few weeks ago when um, he he slid in for the or dived for the touchdown, but kind of gave himself up a little bit short um, and they didn't score because of it um, against the Packers. Um, so yeah, he's, um, he, he's protecting himself and he's bolts up. So he's been become a little bit more durable um, in terms of his actual play. Uh, yeah. It's, it's kind of a bit of a roller coaster. Um, there are times when, as you say, he, he'll go off script. And, and I, I think that's when he's at his best, when he's, he's allowed to, to freelance a little bit um, and go off script and make things happen. Um, but he's not a Patrick Mahomes or a Russell Wilson that 
when he does that, he uh, more often than not, it, it's going to work out. Like you have to accept with with a guy like Taylor Heineke when he goes off script. There are going to be times when, or uh, at least half the time when he does that, it's not going to work out, and you you have to accept that. So um, that has kind of been part of the issue with him. Um, I, I'm not one to look at frame and arm strength particularly, but it's been noticeable on on throws. Apart from this week against the Bucks, to to his credit. Um, he was better with this this week, but um, most of the season he's been his ball placement has been late and and behind receivers. But um, especially when he's throwing those outs to the sideline, the lack of arm strength kind of shows, and and the ball's kind of floaty and behind, and and that's kind of a recipe for disaster when when throwing out to the sideline. Um, and, and he could have been intercepted a, a few more times than he has been. So. Um, but uh, to his credit against the Bucks this week, he was he was much better at those throws and, and making sure they were outside and away from defenders and, and had a little bit more juice on them. So um, he's kind of up and down week to week. Um, you, you never really know which which guy you're going to get. Um, a few weeks ago, people were talking about benching him for, for Kyle Allen. Um, and then even after kind of the second quarter against the Bucks, there, there was people on Twitter asking to bench him or saying we need to bench him. And um, and then he played the way he did in the second half and particularly in that fourth quarter. Um, and, you, you know, you, you think, well, maybe there's something there. Um, for me, he's kind of a, a, a good backup level quarterback, a, a guy that, in that system um, he knows the system inside out um, and if your number one quarterback does go down you're comfortable with him coming in for three or four or five games and and you have a chance to win with him um, if the defense plays well and then you can lean on the running game as well um, but he's not I, I don't think he's ever going to be the guy the the one that you're going yeah this is our quarterback and we're building around him and, and we we believe he is going to win us a super bowl i don't think he's ever going to be that guy yeah, for sure. I would agree with that. I think the same way about Kyle Allen. But it does kind of speak that Washington has a pretty deep quarterback room for whatever it's worth. But obviously you need the guy to improve um, substantially. Yep. Uh, let's just uh, – I want to close out here with just Scott Turner and the offense. I think you wrote in your sub stack here that, you know, you're really impressed with some of the kind of the screens, the RPOs, jet motions – and kind of how he was able to get creative, especially in that final drive. Yep. Um, what has been your impression of his offense and kind of how he's been able to uh, maybe kind of use the talent that he has at his disposal? Yeah, I, I think it's been very interesting, especially my knowledge base of the NFL has always been in the West Coast offense and particularly from the kind of Shanahan tree with, with Kyle Shanahan and then Sean McVay here in Washington and Jay Gruden's offense kind of was pretty similar. Right. So I, I had 10 years of that and this offense is very different. Um, the, those, those McVay and Shanahan's offenses were um, all about the, the zone run scheme and the play action off of it and, and, um, then your your typical West Coast short passing game, whereas um, the, the, uh, Jay Gruden was a little bit more of a downfield West Coast passing game guy, um, and, and Scott Turner is very different. He 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 likes to have his handful of concepts. That, fr- from my experience, anyway, he he likes to have his kind of handful of five or five to ten core concepts uh, that the quarterback is comfortable with and familiar with. And then he'll dress them up in as many different ways as possible with 
various formations and motions and shifts and all this kind of thing to, to keep the defense from knowing what's coming. And then suddenly it's the same concept and it's a very easy read for the quarterback because he he's run the concept a hundred times a season. So um, that has kind of been my experience with it. And, and for me, it works um, to a degree. It's for me, it's very similar to what I've seen from Kellen Moore in Dallas um, mm-hmm. but when, when you have a quarterback like Dak Prescott that can read the defense and adjust the, the scheme and adjust the play at the, at the line of scrimmage to get them in the right play, um, it works a lot better. Um, and that's not to say Heineke hasn't known the offense and hasn't adjusted plays here and there. He has, but obviously having a, have an elite guy like Dak run that system, it makes it work a lot better. So, um, yeah, I, I've it's been a very interesting transition for me um, from going from that system to, to this one. Um, but I, I do think he does a pretty good job of um, spreading out the defense. Um, certainly this year, it's been a lot more cohesive. I think uh, in his first year in 2020, um, he was still getting to know exactly what he had in certain players. And um, it kind of felt like he had four or five different packages that were all quite nice, but they didn't really commingle so so well. Um, whereas this year, he's still got maybe three or four packages that are, are good and nice, but this year he's blended them well. Um, and you can see that um, a lot of the play action passes work off the different run concepts that are working for them. Um, you can see that some of the different uh, passing concepts come from different looks that look like other passing concepts and he is dressing them up and, and making them work together much more nicely. And it's a, it's a much better flowing offense than it has been than it was last year. Um, so it's far more cohesive this year. And I think that just comes from knowing your talent and personnel more and understanding what they can and can't do. Yeah. Well, the Turners, they were pretty creative in how they, uh, kind of attack defenses when they were here in Carolina, spe- especially when Cam was healthy in 2018. That was uh, arguably like you know very close to what we saw uh, during Newton's MVP year in 2015, but it was just much more expansive as far as uh, their ability to use pre-snap motion, play action. Um, they, they, I mean, it's not yep. to that Shanahan or McVay level, but it, it, they did a really good job of creating deception uh, among the second level of the defense. And it just created a lot of explosive plays, which is, the ultimate goal. Um, you know, as we close out here, I want to get, I was really impressed uh, with Ron Rivera's kind of game management on uh, Sunday, because, you know, there were a couple of times in the past, at least I remember where he kind of maybe went the more conservative route, but this week, especially late in the game, when uh, just the way they were managing the clock and just, I mean, that 10 minute drive is a testament to, you know, just your organization you have on the field because you're getting lined up, you're snapping the ball yeah. correctly, you're not committing, you know, pre-snap penalties, and then uh, the decision to go for it on fourth and goal. I mean, I know Brady's one of the best ever at coming back, but I don't think he's ever let a 99-yard drive in under 30 <laughs> seconds. Uh, so I was impressed with that decision. And then obviously they uh, did something else smart, which not many people remember when he took the knee to prevent the – um, you know, an extra point being returned, which for two points. So uh, kind of what, what's been kind of your impression of his just game management, whether it's fourth down decisions and just clock management as a whole. Yeah, it, it certainly improved throughout the year. Um, there, there was, uh, and it, it's been better this year than it was last year. Last year, there was some questionable 
things, um, certainly at the start of last year. Uh, and there were some people wondering whether there, the, obviously he had, he was dealing with cancer at the start of last year. And, and right. some people were wondering whether that was impacting um, his decision-making and things on the field um, during the games, especially late in games that there was times when he, he had timeouts to use and could have stopped the clock and, and didn't and, and things like that. Um, yeah, this year it, it's been better. Um, there, there's still been times where it's kind of been uh, an iffy decision whether to go for it on fourth down or kick field goals. And, you know, with his nickname being Riverboat Ron, um, the kind of perception or the expectation is he's going to go for it more often than not. And that hasn't necessarily been the case. But um, certainly against the Bucks, that that fourth quarter um drive was was phenomenal and and it spoke to the the coaching and the discipline of, of the team so it's hard to go on a 19 play 80 yard drive and and not have any especially to close there. the game out i mean we saw the 49ers exactly. do it on monday night but that was a scripted drive exactly yeah this was to close the game out and it, it, it they didn't have any penalties that set them back they, they they never had any kind of real explosive plays it was all um, dink and dunks or small runs, but they, they just kept moving the chains, keep staying ahead of the chains and, and making the conversions on, on third and short or third and medium when they had to. Um, and, and that spoke to, to me, it said a lot about what Scott Turner was able to do. Um, uh, he was really smart in how he was moving the clock. Obviously that, that Tampa front is very, very stout um, in the middle and it's hard yeah. to run on them. Um, so Turner was doing things like RPOs to, to have safe runs with, and safe passing options. Um, he was throwing screens every now and again. He even threw in a, a, a reverse to DeAndre Carter. Um, so it was all different ways of, of picking up some yards, uh, but still completing safe passes when they did pass the ball or give different run looks to the defense rather than just your kind of standard zone run up the middle or whatever. Um, so he, he did a really nice job with that. And as you say, that, that decision to take a knee on the on the extra point was um surprised everyone no, nobody really quite understood it and it wasn't until uh, rivera explained afterwards that um if they had had a on the small chance that there was a blocked field goal uh sorry blocked extra point and the bucks ran it back it would have been two points for them and that would have made it an eight point game which would have meant it was a one possession game um so that was a really smart kind of heads up decision um and yeah, they, they, they really managed that game very well. Um, and you'd hope they'd be able to manage it coming out of the bye week. But, you know, um, against a good team like the Bucks, um, and, you know, obviously the kind of the pressure that comes with playing against a guy like Tom Brady, um, sometimes those decisions are, are harder to make and, and can get lost. And I think they deserve credit for, for how they manage that. Totally, totally. It's going to be an interesting game. Uh, this Carolina defense is obviously the... Uh, strength of their team it's uh, the third ranked units according to uh, dvoa which i like to use it's some more of a efficient stat and uh, i think for carolina it's going to be their ability to stop the run and uh, these running backs i'm not too worried about the the pass game obviously you have to be worried about mclaurin uh, but if carolina can stop the run then uh, that should kind of allow them to kind of play their brand of defense but I mean, it's going to be a tough game. Uh, I know the spread right now is like three, three and a half. Um, 